Here we are, back with episode number 18 of Sports the Nemo Way. I'm Alex, and we're here to discuss Adrian Dantley, who made two lists, Doug and Wade, num- being number 50 on uh, Doug's list. And where'd you say it was in yours, Wade? I'm sorry. Number 40. Number 40. So uh, probably the widest gap we've had in a double episode so far, but still not ridiculously far apart. Um, Dantley played for the Buffalo franchise, the uh, Indiana Pacers, the Los Angeles Lakers, Utah Jazz, Detroit Pistons, Dallas Mavericks, and Milwaukee Bucks during his career. Um, he is a 6'5", 208-pound small forward, zero-time champ, zero-time MVP. He's a six-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, played 15 years in the league after being the number six pick. He is a Hall of Famer with career averages of 24, 5, and 3 on 54% shooting. So, Doug, lead us away. All right. Well, um, to go along with his All-Stars, two-time scoring champ, two-time All-NBA, he was also Rookie of the Year when he came in. Uh, Excuse me. Played 955 games. Uh, As Alex mentioned, 540 shooting percentage, which is 33rd all-time. Uh, and if you look at the list, almost everybody ahead of him on the shooting percentage list is a center or power forward, which attributes to his uh, marksmanship there. Uh, he also scored around the basket some. But you look at some other famous uh, players, Magic's number 70 on the list, John Stockton, 84, Dr. J, 115, LeBron, 126, MJ, 165, Larry's, 175, on the field goal percentage list. Uh, rebounding and assists, he's not top 250. That wasn't what Adrian did. Adrian scored. <laughs> um, he averaged, as I said, 24-3. Um, he had four consecutive seasons where he averaged more than 30 points a game. Uh, he averaged 37 as a peak. He finished his career as number 34 on the scoring list. With 23,177 points. Uh, his scoring average of 24.3 is 19th all time on the scoring list. And upon his retirement, he was number nine. So there have been quite a few scores since then. Uh, just a few more things about, uh, about Adrian. He also has an Olympic gold medal, and he was the leading scorer on that team as well. That was back in 76. Um, in the 83 84 season, he set a record for the fewest attempts per game to average 30 points. He averaged 18.2 attempts a game and averaged 30 points. Um, that's, that's pretty tough when you're not shooting many threes and he didn't shoot many threes. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> scoring leaders. We talked about he only get two scoring titles and he's a scorer. And so I was kind of, I thought, hey, we have four years scoring over 30. He only gets two titles, and he's supposed to be such a scorer. So I looked back to see who won the titles and uh, the years he played. Uh, his rookie year, 76-77, Pistol Pete, won the scoring title at 31 points a game. The next three years, it was the Iceman, 27, 29, and 33 a game. Then Danley got his first one at 30.65. Then the Iceman got another one at 32. Then Alex English got one at 28. And Dantley got his second one at 30.6. Bernard King came in, another shooter with a kind of short career, 32, almost 33 points a game. Dominic Wilkins got one at 30. And then somebody named Michael Jordan came along and won the next seven scoring titles. <laughs> and ended, I mean, that, that was it after that. Nobody won scoring titles after MJ got started. Um, can Dantley, I, can I point something out real quick? I'm absolutely. Not trying, I'm not trying to interrupt. No, no it's fine. But during that four-year run where he ever started points a game, uh-huh. you mentioned that English won the scoring title averaging 28, I believe. Right. That was because Dan Lee only played 20 games that year. Okay. Yeah, he got hurt. Yeah. So he didn't qualify for the scoring title. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, he has no NBA titles. That, I mean, obviously, that hurts. Um, it, his career is kind of a just-missed thing. Um, he was with the Lakers 
and he was traded to the Utah Jazz for Spencer Haywood the year before Magic Johnson came to the Lakers. So he missed the Laker title run. Had some good years at Utah, went to the Pistons. He played in a final with the Pistons against the Lakers. Actually, in game one against the Lakers in the playoffs, he had 34 points on 14 of 16 shooting. Um, He averaged 19-plus for the series, but Detroit lost the series in seven games. The, The next year, when the Pistons beat the Lakers in the final, he got traded halfway through the season. Uh, they swapped him to Dallas Mavericks for Mark McGuire, who was a good friend of Isaiah's from Chicago. Um, he averaged 21-3 per game in the playoffs. He was in the seven, in the playoffs for seven times. Uh, so he still scored in the playoffs. Not quite up to his usual clip of 24, but 21 in the playoffs. Uh, but never did get a title. Go ahead, Wade. Um, well, I think Uncle Doug uh, hit most of it. Um, Adrian Dantley, I think, is just one of the one of the greatest scores we we had in the NBA. Um, in his prime, you know, Uncle Doug said four straight seasons of thirty points per game. He can get you six, seven rebounds, three, four assists. Um, I think what what kind of separated him from from most guards is he'd do it shooting close to fifty five percent from the field, which is almost unheard of from for a guard. Um. That's, he, he put up dominant big man stats as someone who's arguably 6'5". I think Alex pointed out before the uh, podcast started, he might have even been 6'3". And he, uh, he scored a lot in the paint. Um, he had a nice mid-range. Um, literally almost never shot threes. Um, I think he literally shot like 40 for his career or 41 or something like that. Just didn't shoot threes, but absolutely dominated um, in the mid-range and in the paint. and. Um, is actually one of the uh, greatest uh, of all time at getting to the free throw line. He was elite at getting to the free throw line and shot, um, I think, over 80% for his career. I think one year he uh, won the scoring title while averaging 10 made shots a game and 10 free throws a game. Um, so it was a, a unique score, one of the one of the best scores we've ever had in the NBA. And uh, I think his, his weaknesses were obviously – he just didn't shoot threes. It's like Ben Simmons on steroids. Um, didn't shoot him, but he but he could score. Um, and he wasn't the world's greatest defender. But uh, but yeah, I'll I'll stop there and let everybody else chime in here. All right. Well, that's my favorite thing to do. I'll kick it to Drew. Seven <laughs> every episode. And not last episode because you were on. Yeah, uh, you were on the other team. Most of all, whenever it's not me talking about my guy, it's always. And we're going to Drew. <laughs> to the young guy. The young fella. All well, right, well. Obviously, Dantley played before you were alive. Not like most he people. He played most of his career before I was alive, so. so. Like most people on this list, I didn't see him play. Unless I look him up on YouTube, but the man could score. There's no doubt in that. And um, maybe we'll get into a little bit later. Maybe one of his downsides was some people didn't like him, but I don't really like Isaiah Thomas, so I, mean, I don't blame him. But I don't know, it just seems another one of those players, kind of like we talked with Vince Carter, how he missed a couple of windows there where people hit different teams at different time periods with championships. He missed the Lakers by a year, missed the Pistons by a year. So I know we'll get more into it. Ray, you got anything for us? Uh, I mean, not a whole lot that everybody hadn't already said. I mean, pretty impressive scorer. I mean, the rebounding is pretty on point for a guard as well. I mean, you can't you can't knock him. I just I don't think I my basketball knowledge really goes in depth like the rest of y'all, so I don't think it really hurt of him that much. Mine's like zeroed in right at the nineties. Like a sniper. But uh, I, I, mean, I couldn't tell. I look at your list. I, oh damn, man. I thought it was real obvious. <laughs> but uh I mean after looking at some game film and some uh his stats, I mean he's he's a pretty impressive player from what I've seen. All right, guys, it's Daly time. Um, Adrian Daly put up huge offensive numbers for at least a decade, if not a little bit longer, um, in the league, which is obviously very impressive. Um, and a career 24 points per game is also super impressive. Not trying to take his scoring prowess away from him. But for Daly, he falls into a group of players for me that fits a style and represents something that I can never get behind. 
and but he just happens to be the first one of this group to come up. There's more to follow in episodes, some of them even quite a ways down the road. Um, but before I get to that part of it, just like any other player, Nanley has holes in his game. Um, like any like like anybody. Um, but some of them are more glaring than others, like his refusal to even attempt to play defense. Um, even when he was in Utah and they brought in a whole bunch of defensive players to play around him and they had one of the best defenses in the league, um, he wouldn't play defense and he had a negative um, defensive rating um, and on, uh, for the best defensive team in the league, even though he was playing next to Mark Eaton, who was erasing most people's mistakes. Um, <clears throat> but uh, he also couldn't shoot. We kind of um, from deep. I mean, um, we t- we discussed that he didn't shoot much. Which at that time, or we even when I was growing up, that was a positive. I can't do that, so I'm not going to do it. Um, in today's NBA, they would just rake him over the coals for that because even if you can't shoot, you need to at least shoot five threes a game. Um, but uh, Adrian Danley shot 17 percent from three for his career. So um, I don't know that shooting five a game was really going to be helpful. Um, and, but I will say um, that would be a negative trying to play in, a, in later times in the league, being a, a wing player that can't shoot or spread the floor. Um, but here's where we get to the nitty-gritty of it. Um, I have a big problem with Adrian Danley. Um, part of it being he's not a good teammate, but we're going to talk about a lot of guys that aren't good teammates. Um, I have Allen Iverson on my list. Um, <clears throat> but it doesn't appear Adrian Danley cared about winning. And that's where I draw the line in the sand. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier Adrian Danley is the uh, – or was rookie of the year. He's also the only rookie of the year to ever be traded immediately after the season. Um, <laughs> that's never happened uh, before or since then. Um, they couldn't stand him so much. They just shipped him right out of town. Um, and, uh, I think that says something, but Hey, he was young, you know, he was a jerk, whatever. Maybe he'll get over it. Um, but then, uh, Indiana decided they couldn't take him anymore, anymore either. And midway through the season, while he was averaging 26 and nine, decided, no, we can't do this. We got to get him out of town. They also traded him to the Lakers. Um, and the. Lakers, he finished the season with the Lakers and then played another season with the Lakers. Two of his uh, statistically worst years of his career, I think he was like 17 and 5 or something like that. Um, I think he was splitting time with uh, Jamal Wilkes. Jamal Wilkes, yeah, thank you. And Kareem was on that team. Yeah, I think they had, yeah, three Hall of Famers and a multi-time All-Star on that team. Um, And then... They like Uncle Doug pointed out, he missed Magic by a year, but another. This is one example of they traded Adrian Dantley and immediately got better. Um, <laughs> and they, you know, didn't have a lot of success with three Hall of Famers on their team. Um, but uh, I digress. Then the Lakers trade him again to Utah. It's a lot of trades. First off. Um, as a general rule, I think I don't think we trade superstars all over the league like this. I think um, we did this back in the day at the park with the basketball cards. <laughs> right. Trade him to Utah, where he had the longest stint of his career. He played his seven he played seven seasons in Utah. Um they were a fringe playoff team with uh, a variety of cast members over the over the course of the seven years. He did play the last few years there with Stockton and Malone. Um um, I believe uh, Daryl Griffith was there for most of it. Uh, Mark Eaton was there for a portion of it. Um, so he did play with some good players over the t- over the time there, but different good players. Um, but he one thing that was continuous in Utah is uh, how he couldn't get along with the coach or the management. And uh, Frank Layden, um, the uh, coach, uh, continually begged ownership to get him the hell out of town. Um, and he eventually did, um, get him out of town, um, and they traded him, um, to Detroit, uh, which I'll hit on in a minute, but, uh, Cotton Fitzsimmons, um, another 
famous coach from NBA history who was born in Hannibal, Missouri, and grew up in Bowling Green, Missouri. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, sports, the Nebo way stands for Northeast Missouri. So uh, uh, we are in Northeast Missouri, so Hannibal and Bowling Green are right here close to us. Uh, just an interesting factoid there for a second. Um, said, uh, said he, after coaching Dantley, um, that no team will ever win with Dantley on it. Uh, now in Detroit, his second real chance at winning the championship, uh, he couldn't get along with his team. He argued about not getting enough touches, about having to play defense. Um, he again gets himself traded during the season. They win a championship and then another championship the year after. Um, trading for a the, the weird thing is, is they traded for a guy that I don't think is as good as Dantley um, McGuire. They're the same type of player. They're both scoring for uh, small forwards who um, put up some pretty good numbers on some bad teams um, and uh, were jerks, I guess is the best way to put it. I mean, McGuire had his problems with teammates and stuff as well. I mean, I saw an interview with, uh, um, I'm blanking here, uh, uh, Blackman. Or, uh, Dallas. Oh, Rolando? Yeah, Rolando. Black. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. On an interview today um, when doing this stuff, and pretty much he was just like, Aguirre's a terrible teammate. I was so glad when he got he, would get, he got out of Dallas. Um, Aguirre fit in seamlessly. Uh, maybe it was because he was friends with Isaiah. I don't know. Um, and they went on to win the championship that season. Um, that essentially ended Dantley's run. He broke his leg the next year and was never the same after that. He played a few more years after that, but nothing like he was before that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but then he seems to cement this legacy on the Bad Boys 30 for 30, where he pretty much just comes out and was like, man, they wanted me to do something different than I wanted to do. And I just said, fuck that, I ain't doing it. Uh, it kind of just cemented it in my mind. Like, he didn't care about winning. All he cared about was his stat line at the end of the game, um, how many points he put in, um, and that's just not something I can get behind. We played it. I mean, not so I want to quote football coaches, but we played to win the game. Um, and when you have a chance to win multiple championships in multiple places, um, and pretty much you have problems getting along with people and being a decent person to people, Pretty much everywhere you go, I think I think we've got to start looking at more as fact and opinion, at least on that part of it. And that's why I can't put Adrian Danley on my list. Wow. Can I, say, can I say something real quick about the current NBA? I don't know if you guys know this, but Blake Griffin just went to the Nets. Did he really? Yeah. All right, let's talk about this for a second. Because Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt Danley, but I just thought maybe we should talk. All right, well, uh, let's let them rebuttal about Danley. We'll, we'll get back to Blake Griffin. All right. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, you're right. He did get traded around a lot. Um, and he did – wasn't a great defender. Uh, he wanted to score. That was his thing. And, uh, now the, the deal with the Lakers, um, I don't know whether there was – couldn't get along with them. They had two small forwards. Um, Jamal Wilkes, everybody loved. He was from UCLA. He was Kareem knew him. He wasn't going anywhere. And uh, so Dantley was the one that went out. They got Spencer Haywood for him. I do know he didn't get along with Isaiah. But I do know that Mark and Isaiah were buddies because they're both from Chicago. But I'm like you. I have heard that Dantley was not uh, an easy person to play with. <laughs> it's a good way to put it. Um I also forgot to mention earlier, uh, but you mentioned his the one year he was averaging 9.4 rebounds. That was his peak. And uh, his peak assists were 4.8. I forgot to mention both of those. I mean, yes, uh, the nine 9.4 rebounds. But it was only for like uh, 23 games, and then he was traded. So his season average was actually like seven, I think. Uh, but, yeah, it was a nice season for right, him, was, yeah. was the point I was trying to make in that argument. Um, he did have a couple – I think he had back-to-back seasons there in the middle where he averaged over four assists a game. Um, like, I think 80, 81, 82, 83, he both averaged over four assists a game. 
although his um, turnovers were also almost four games, so it was almost one to one there. Yeah. Um, who is uh who did everybody else have on, on their small at the end of their small forward list? I was just looking at a few, but just out of curiosity here. I'm pretty sure my last one is either Dominique or Paul Arizon. I'm pretty sure. Dominique, okay. I'm pretty sure. Well, I, don't, well, I don't I don't like, have my list. Thank you, Pippin and Dominique. Yeah, Pippin and I know Dominique's one of my last couple. I, I think know you have Pippin and Dominique. Yeah, Pippin and Dominique. That sounds about right. Sorry, I don't have mine in front of me. I apologize. No. I had uh, Chris Mullins and Worthy. Okay. I was just trying to get a feel for at the end of everybody's list. Well, I mean, Adrian Dantley was an ass. I mean, <laughs> I think we all um, really no arguing that. Um, but one, um, we're talking about the bottom of our list, um, which I think we've pointed out before. The bottom of everyone's list is kind of just uh, – there's a bunch of great players you can put at the bottom of all your lists. It's just kind of what you prefer, what you like, if you like that player. Um, I just I was fascinated by Adrian Danley's scoring ability. Um, I mean, there's probably a couple other cases you could you could throw in there. But uh, so again, we're talking about number ten. He's my number ten. I think he's Uncle Doug's number ten as well. Correct. Um, uh, but I also think you know we've talked about other players that you know had weight and cocaine problems. We've talked about players that have never won a playoff series. I mean, at the end of your list, there's usually a, some glaring holes there that you can you can really ride with. Um, I just think peak Adrian Dantley is, is pretty pretty unstoppable offensively. He, defensively, he did suck. I, I read an article about that today. Um, someone who I actually find him extremely comparable to is Dominic Wilkins. Um, they both sucked at uh, defense. Um, Dominique never really had very much postseason success. Um, they both averaged 24 points per game for their career. I think Dominique out-rebounds him a little bit. I think Adrian Dantley clips him in assists by a little bit. Um, Adrian Dantley, is, even though Dominique wasn't inefficient, Adrian Dantley is, I think, five or six percentage points higher than him in field goal percentage. Um, so that's someone who, I, who made everyone's list, I think, except mine, um, who I found very comparable. I uh, this this is something I was gonna touch on. Um, <clears throat> this is where I separated some guys um, because I think we just talked about it off air that the the end of most of our position lists are filled with guys that didn't win. Um, so Dantley and Dominique both fall into that yeah. category. Uh, I think Dantley's case. As, um, could look more like Dominique's or more like T-Max or, or, got, or Vince Carter's or guys like that if he would have been in Utah his whole career. But because then we just look at him as a you know, good stats, bad team guy. He didn't have any help, um, which isn't always true in, in, in Utah, but for the most part, you know, didn't have a ton of help, so on and so forth. But when you play on two all-time great teams, you play with a bunch of Hall of Famers, you do those things, and essentially you just make choices to not suck it up, Buttercup, so that you can't win. That's when I I think that argument ends. Like, you weren't in it to win. You were just, you wanted to score, and that's and if you weren't going to score, you were going to pout. <laughs> well, I mean, really, the only great team he played with was Detroit. I mean, the Lakers didn't have magic yet. They weren't what they were going to be. Utah, Carmelone, I think he only played with as like a rookie. He wasn't Carmelone yet. Um, I mean, I read an article today talking about how terrible the Jazz were, and he carried them to the first round of the playoffs. Um, they, also, they also went to the playoffs the next two years after he left. And that's fine, but he still took them to the playoffs. And then Detroit, they were one Larry Bird steal away from the finals with him on the roster. I mean, it's not like he held them back. I mean, yes, they, they went to the finals and won it, but they were one play away from going there with him. Well, they took the Lakers to seven. Yeah, the, the year before he was traded. So yeah, I mean, and he was a big part of that. Um, you were talking about Dominique. Dominique came from my number nine. Yeah, um, and you're right. The scoring was within a half a point of each other. Dominique rebounded a little higher, another rebound a game. Um, Dominique didn't quite as much uh, assists, a little less, uh, maybe half an assist less. I think we know Dominique so much better because Dominique was so flashy. Yeah. 
Dam- Dominic was famous. I mean, he was yes. popular. Adrian Danley wasn't really I mean, a hugely yeah. popular player. Dunk contest or anything. Danley just kind of flew under the radar. I mean, uh, I mean, the big thing for me was the 30 points per game plus shooting 54, 55% from the field. That's, I mean, that's that's unbelievable. That's that's big man stuff. Yeah, it is. But well, like I mentioned earlier, he's 33rd all time in field goal percentage. And almost everybody ahead of him is a, a center or a power forward. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that that was just a comparison that really stuck out in my head. You can and I think um I don't think Dominique had the I mean he was he had great peak numbers, but I don't think he ever did he average thirty points per game once, twice? Did he do it at all? I'm not uh, sure. I'll get Hold on. on, I got it pulled up. Never mind, Alex got it this time. Uh he did it three times. Three times. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty comparable. Yeah. And then their rebounds are about the same in their prime. Um yeah. Their assists are really close. I mean, I, and then Adrian Daly is more efficient. So um, here, here's they're both my, bad defenders. Here's my question: um, <clears throat> They played at the same time. Um, Adrian Daly has as many All NBAs as scoring titles. It's two. Mm-hmm. Um, Dominique, on some way we're talking about, has seven. Um, why is that? It could be because he's an asshole and no one likes him. <laughs> It could be. We might have talked about that a little bit more off air, but the same thing with Rick Barry and getting his. No one liked him, but he was really good, so maybe that. Yeah, that's true. Um, Danley, to me, is one of those guys that we've had this discussion numerous times before about short career gets you high average. Longer career gets you higher on the all-time numbers. Danley actually ended up pretty good on both. Yeah. Um, He ended up 34th all-time in scoring. And 19th in scoring average. So the length of his career really didn't bring his average down that much. Um, he kind of held it uh, pretty well over that time period. Yeah. I, don't know. I just thought for for the 10th small forward on our list, I mean, I thought it, he, it was pretty unbelievable numbers-wise. You can compare his numbers to probably players a lot higher on, on some of our lists. Um but obviously, the team success, he obviously didn't win a championship or an MVP. So the big dogs all usually have, you know, the titles and MVPs. Um, the two all NBAs, to your point, Alex, is, is not a, that's pretty low for someone who's going to be on your top 50. But like we said, if no one likes you, they're not going to vote for you to be on stuff. Like Drew said with Rick Barry, who we'll hit on later, who had a whole career of that. People said he was should have had MVPs and all this other stuff that he never won because. He was an asshole, just like Danley. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I thought very comparable to Neek, who everyone put on their list but me. Um, you know, Neek's, yeah, I, I don't know. So I have another question. Um, one of these guys is uh, a peer to Danley. Another guy is more of a, a newer player. But uh, why Danley? And not Alex English or Carmelo Anthony. Small forwards that scored a lot, um, didn't win championships, stuff like that. Well, I got for me. I mean, kind of like I said at the end of your list, it's really just what you like, what you prefer. I mean, there's a lot of guys you can throw in at the end of your position list. I mean, there's a lot of really good players that play in the NBA, um, and to fill out the bottom part of your list, it's really just. I mean, I was enamored with, with the middle of his career where he's getting 30 every night, leading the league in free throws made, you know, getting to the free throw line, scoring in the paint like a madman at 6'3", 6'4", whatever you want to call him, 6'5". Um, I mean, I, and then he had a you know 6'7 rebounds, 3'4 assists, decent all-around game, and just one of the most efficient players we've ever had at the guard position. So that's what stuck out for me, mainly the efficiency and the all-around scoring. Well, not all-around scoring, he couldn't shoot. A three-pointer. I say you mentioned Alex English. Um, he averaged 21 points to Danley's 24. That they rebound about the same 5.5, 5.7, and all English had was 3.6 assists to three. So they're pretty similar. So it's yeah. just basically your preference, I would say. And Carmelo's numbers are very similar too. We talked about that earlier. He's 23.6 to the 24.3, six and a half to the five seven. Um, and Carmelo bounced around a little bit. I don't know that people thought he was a jerk. He also bounced around a little. 
Like, like I mean, you said, none of them won anything. There's nowhere near the efficient player that. Right. Yeah. yeah. The field goal percentage. I didn't realize until I started digging into this. What an excellent field goal percentage Danley had. Carmelo's field goal percentage might be close to ten percentage points lower. I'm not, I'm not a Mellow guy by any means. I'm not a Mellow fan. Mellow didn't make anybody in this room's list. So I'm not trying to act like I'm sticking up for Mellow here. But, you know, we talked about Dantley not shooting threes, you know, 40 for his career or whatever. I mean, Mellow shoots 40 in three games. Um, so <laughs> yeah. that's, going to, that's going to significantly pull your field goal percentage down when you're shooting a lot of shots from three and you're not Steph Curry. Um, I mean, you're you're 100% right when you say that. But at the same time, if you know you're bad at something, don't don't fuck it up by by keep doing something you suck at. I mean, no, I know, I agree. I said that earlier, but Melo doesn't suck at. It. I mean, Melo's like a thirty six, thirty seven percent, he's three, decent, yeah, you know, three point shooter, not seventeen. So um, it's not like he's out there killing his team by shooting. I'm just saying, like he because he plays because he plays such a completely different game. Some of the field goal percentage, I'm not saying, I don't know what Mel's field goal percentage is for his career, but some of that Drew. is going to be explained because he shoots. Yeah. Um, I'm have Drew look it up because now I'm just curious what his percentages are. Carmelo's? Carmelo, yeah. Look up his right. field goal and three point percentage. Gotcha. I mean, Melo was one of the, I mean, the best scorers of this generation in his prime. He won a title, didn't he? I think he won with the Knicks, yeah. He was, I mean, he was legit 25 to 28 points per game for a long time. And he had a couple of nice rebounding years, too. I think where he had yeah. seven or eight. Yeah. I'd say he had one scoring champion, six-time All-NBA right now. He won't win anymore. Yeah, he's not getting there anymore. <laughs> but We can only hope, guys. <laughs> All right, what are we looking at percentage-wise here? I'm trying. Well, my little stats are hard to pull up. Hard to find. I mean, just scroll to the right. I have his own round stamp on. <laughs> swipe right. Swipe right. Oops. Swipe left. What was uh? What was Dantley's? And what what was his career for the percentage? I got it. It's five forty. Fifty four. Yeah, that's that's pretty. Anybody else want to look up his stats? I don't think Drew's in it. Oh, Drufus. I'm failing us for once, guys. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. My phone's on like 4%, so I can't look it up. But. Probably got it. All right, I finally found it. It's 0. .447, so 44. What about a three-point percentage? Give me a hot minute. <laughs> well, yeah, while he's doing that. 35, yeah. okay. That's how easy that was, Drew, by the way. So, <laughs> I so they, one of them. Thank you so They really much. are 10% difference on field goal percentage. Yeah. Alex English. Uh, career field goal percentage, 507. That's pretty good. Um, Three-point percentage, 217. Alex uh, English. Three-point percentage was what? 217. Oh, so getting crappy. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. a great three-point And Alex percentage. English is not going to add three all-NBA teams, I believe. Yeah. So it's not like which, he had Which, many. again, is more than Dantley, and they play at the same time. It's only one. I know, but <laughs> like... And then we're talking about Dominic Wilkins had seven, but we're leaving out the two biggest ones. What's Dr. Jane Bird played at the same time as well. Mm. Like, there's a lot of all NBAs coming out of this these this one position right. right here. But again, we're talking about guys who put up similar stats to Dominique, but Dominique's the more popular player, so he, you know he, he gets the nod in a lot of those. I think everybody knew Dominique. Yeah, I mean he, he was human highlight reel. He won yeah. dunk contests. Yeah, and, yeah everybody. Uh, yeah. Knew, like, I mean, before Vince was probably known as the greatest dunker in the game, I'd say. I I would agree, yeah. Yeah. Until Vince came along, he was probably number one. Well, let's be honest, and this isn't even a knock at Danley. It's just the truth. Like, how Danley scored was boring. Right, he wasn't flashy. And Dominique Dominique was just ramming the ball down people's throats every night and on the highlight package every night. Danley actually scored extremely oddly for his own size. Right. He had this weird little... Thing he did in the post to get to get his points, and he actually had a, a pretty decent mid range that people don't realize. But he just couldn't shoot a three, and he was obviously he went to the line a ton. He went. He was in an era that was pretty rough, and it was harder to go to the free throw line. He mastered going to the free throw line, and that's where he, he made a lot of his money right there. Yeah, shot eighty two percent from the free throw line. Yeah, and like well, I mentioned the one time in the the game against the Lakers and the. 
88 finals. Uh, game one put up 34 points, 14 of 16 shooting. <laughs> that's, that's, with, that's with Kareem in the middle. Yeah. Uh, you know, so how he's getting up all those shots and getting them in. Yeah, I don't know. The man can score. So is he, so is he this big of a like asshole in college too? I don't know uh, anything about his college. He, he played for Notre Dame, and I'm not a big Notre Dame fan, so I don't watch him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that he was on the, the team I think that broke UCLA's consecutive, stopped their scoring their winning streak. They won like mm-hmm. 88 games in a row, and I think he was the star of the Notre Dame team that beat them finally. So again, he would have been scoring against. I'm not even remember who all was on the '88 game team, but so um, yeah, also he, again in the Olympics. But so was he like a real big superstar in college? Or uh, you knew him pretty well in college. I remember him pretty well in college. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was Notre Dame star. I was. Yeah. I was gonna say like before, we were talking about this before the podcast started. He's probably one of the lesser known people we have on our list. I don't think a lot of people. Like a casual basketball fan, if you ask them who's Adrian Dantley, I mean, I don't think a lot of people know. At least people to a certain age don't know. I mean, did you know who Adrian Dantley was before this, Drew? Not really, no. No, see, I mean, I, I mean, he's on my list. I mean, I knew who he was, and I knew a couple of teams that he played for, but I had to really dig into him to find out some of this, actually, like his field goal percentage and stuff like that. I, I did not know that he was that elite and efficient and stuff like that. I mean, he's... One of the lesser-known people we have on all of our lists. So. Alex said back on whether he was getting college or not. He was a sixth pick, so he had that. Be. I knew it was a sixth pick. I just didn't know yeah, whether, true. like, what, did he already have, you know, issues, and that's why he went six instead of one, or was he not, like, a big-time superstar and he went six because, you know, the superstars went one through five? Or I didn't know. That's why I was asking. Yeah, I'm not sure who was number one that year. Drew. I'm it? looking at it. Because <laughs> I'm trying to think who was on that that um, UCLA team that won 88 games. Was that was that Bill Walton? No, he was in the league in the late 70s. Well, I mean, that well, would have been that, the 70s. That, that, that would have been, been the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, because he came out and he played in the 76 Olympics. So his first year in the NBA would have been 77. Yeah, yeah so it might have been. I, I just can't remember who was on that team. It would have been close, regardless of whether Walton was there or not. It would have been close. So what what we're talking about, the uh, 77 draft? Mm-hmm. 76 draft is what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. We're doing some good podcasting. All right, here we The first overall pick was John Lucas. Okay. Do you have a list of who all was? I think Alex English was drafted that year. Robert Parrish. Yeah, it's John, Dennis, John Lucas, Scott May, Richard Washington, Leon Douglas, Wally Walker, <laughs> then Dantley, Quinn Buckner, Robert Parrish. Ooh. I mean, a bunch of guys I never heard of. Good Mitch Kupchak was taken at 13. Uh, Let's say if you go further down, Alex. UCLA had Richard was number three was Richard Washington out of UCLA. Oh, I remember him, yeah. I don't know who Washington was but... good. He was a good forward in college. He didn't really do that much in the NBA, but he was tough in college. But I was trying to think, is that when Indiana was good? Because Scott May came out of Indiana. Well, we, oh. we would have drafted Quinn Buckner. Right. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I know who John Lucas is, but uh, the rest of those guys that went before Dan, I don't even know who they are. I don't know if it's a knock on them or not, but I don't know who they are. I've not either. I've lost track of what the original question was. <laughs> we were just wondering who went ahead of him in the draft. Mm-hmm. We're talking about sixth. We already had trouble there. But. We're trying to figure out characteristic flaws from college to the <laughs> There we go. Thank you, Brad. But does, uh, do we have anything else about, uh, about Dantley that we want to bring up? Or are we good? Or? I think we can. Do our closing yeah. statements. Drew, what you got, buddy? Um, well, honestly, there's no doubt that he scored a lot and all that, but I just think some of his problems and not getting a lot of people maybe having trying to get his stats for his own self and not trying to win maybe got in the way of a little bit for that. And that's basically what I've heard about Dantley tonight. <laughs> Ray? 
Uh, I guess from everybody's argument, it sounds like Dantley was just knew he was the shit and, you know, figured out that he could go wherever he wanted, pretty much on the NBA tour bus and just make a paycheck. And he couldn't be stopped. So somebody was always going to have to, you know, need a scorer. Hey, there's Dantley. Let's trade for him. Let's, get, you know, give a couple of recliners and a refrigerator and we'll get Dantley over here and we'll take care of that. But, uh, I mean, other than stuff like that, I mean, he was good. There's no denying that he was the top scorer, you know, for a long time. But, I mean, then we play the what-if game. What if he was, you know, more a human being that, you know, maybe he could have won a few titles, but you just never know. Yeah, the what-if game is always interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, I mean, what if they would have kept, the Lakers would have kept him instead of Wilkes, you know, what would have, what would his career look like? I mean, maybe it would have, he would have blown the team up and the Lakers would have been worse off for it. (laughs) Or maybe he, he turns into the James Worthy of that team and is considered a great because he won a bunch of titles. I mean, I don't know. Um, but, uh, no, you're going to hear this argument from me a few more times over the course of episodes, but. Um, winning is the most important thing and nobody's going to convince me otherwise and it seemed like uh, Danley didn't care about that um, or at least wasn't willing to sacrifice to do that so uh, it it definitely jolts him down my list a ways I do believe I told Wade he came in 15th on my small forwards um, so uh, there's a few more guys in between him and my top ten. A um, couple of guys we talked about tonight. So uh, it's not always, not all my argument is about his game because I, I you know, acknowledged earlier how great of a scorer he was. I'm not trying to take that away from him. Um, I just think he lacks something very important to being a great player, and that's why he will not make my list. I like his scoring. I like his field goal percentage. Um, the fact that he could score at that height in the ways that he did it. And again, we're talking about, as Wade mentioned earlier, the bottoms of our list. But yeah, I enjoyed, I can't say I enjoyed watching him play in college because I'm not a big Notre Dame fan. But I did. Being a Laker fan, I remember him from LA. I remember the Lakers playing against him in Detroit. And uh, the man could definitely score. Um, I mean, really, I. I thought it was uh, pretty nice to, you know, at the 10th spot on my list, you know, have a guy that, you know, in his prime could drop 30 every night and do it at a 55% clip. I thought that was pretty nasty, pretty impressive, but uh, it's hard to do. Um, at the end of the day, you got to put the ball in the hoop. Very, very few people could do it better than Adrian Dantley. Um, that's pretty much uh, pretty much it, you know. Extremely, extremely high efficiency player for a high score is very rare. You know, he's not Allen Iverson shooting 38 times to get 30 points. Shoot 14 times to get 30 points. Um, and, uh, you know, great again to the line, good rebounder. Um, I just thought, you know, he's a, you know extremely good player. He obviously was a bit of a head case, but, uh, but uh, undeniably one of the greatest scores that the NBA's, NBA's had. That's pretty much my reason. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up our Adrian Dantley portion of this episode. So we will move into trivia. Anybody got a question ready? I got one. All right, let's go, Willard. Where did the great George Gervin go to college? George Gervin, eh? I think he went to Culver Stockton College. <laughs> If you went to Gover, it'd probably be named George Gervin University. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably fair. <laughs> I honestly have no idea. I'm just gonna have to guess. Yeah. Let's go with. Wow. Time to get in the money machine and start grabbing what you think is right.
All right, I got mine. I got it. Yes. I'm ready. Reagan. All right, let's go. I got Indiana. Okay. I said South Carolina. Wake Forest. Xavier. I went to Eastern Michigan. Oh. Oh. College. No. I hope I'm not pissing off any Eastern Michigan fans out there. I don't know anything about it. I'll just throw that out there. (laughs) Anybody else got one? Yeah, I'll go ahead. In which city did basketball debut as an Olympic sport? Can you repeat that again? I'm sorry. In which city did basketball debut as an Olympic sport? Jesus Christ. (laughs) This is tough. All right, I got my guess. I got one. Okay. All right, I'm ready. All right, let's put LA. I got Moscow. I said Helsinki. I also said Moscow. All right, the correct answer is Berlin. Berlin. Well, a lot of correct answers today. Let's see, it says the first year when basketball was an Olympic sport was in the 1936. You got to say when the gold, the very first time basketball was an Olympic sport with Canada getting the silver. Canada getting the silver, huh? All right, who's up next? I'm ready. Who was the first ever All-Star Game MVP? Oh, wow, I have no idea when the first All-Star Game was. Uh, George Mikan made four, so. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Uh, oh, boy. All right. I got to guess in. I got mine. Yeah. I got mine. Locked in. All right, flip them. I just said Mikan. I got Mikan. I got Arizona. Mikan. It is. Ed McKill. <laughs> Macaulay? Yeah. My easy, bad. easy Ed McCauley? Yep. Oh, your grandpa will be disappointed if you don't pronounce his name. My bad. He loves easy. Ed. Hold on, hold on. Let me guess. Short white guy. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. I'll look at how tall he is. How's that leave? What, me and Ray? No, oh, Ray got his. You're Uncle Doug. No, me and Uncle Doug. I apologize. You're me. Go for it. All right. Uh, we're talking about field goal percentage a lot tonight. Uh, obviously, Danley had a good one. Who has the highest field goal percentage all time? Hmm. Highest field goal percentage all time. By the way, Ed was 6'8". Uh, <laughs> all right, a bigger white guy. Highest <laughs> percentage all time. Well, it's not George Mikan. <laughs> <laughs> Not probably one before uh, 1970. All right, I got one. I got mine. All right, we're good. I'm locked in. Actually, I'm changing mine. You got yours, Drew? No. Oh, you're changing yours, Wade? Yeah. What a blunder. All right, I got another one. All right, I got it. I got DeAndre Jordan. But Dwight. Green. Jabbar. Go, Alex. DeAndre Jordan. He shot 67.2%. It's a lot of dunks. <laughs> yes, it is. He caught a lot of passes from a Hall of Fame point guard. Lob City. Um, all right, that leaves it to me. And uh, in the year, nine, in the season, 99-2000, what those players... Shared the Rookie of the Year honors. Yes, 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 yes. I think I know one. I just can't remember the other. 99, 2000? Is that what you said? Yes, sir. All right. You got to get them both right? Yes, sir. Ah, oh, that's bullshit. You asked us a five-player 
one well, a couple weeks ago. It was the very first episode. Because I got four out of five. Oh, no. Yeah, but I told you the answer like seven times. <laughs> it's hard to think about who Rookie of the Year was when I was yeah, here. Wade should know one of them. Yeah. At least. Oh, yes. I know who it is. Oh, do you get yours? No. No? No, I don't. Draw a blank. The struggle so, is real. Okay, I'm locked in. I'm not even gonna guess. Go oh man. Well, I'm gonna guess, but I, I don't know. I want to see what everybody else says before I go. It's not even close. I don't think. All right, I'm gonna go with Tony Parker and Allen Iverson. Well, those are a little age difference here. Yeah. I yeah, a few years. Ray, who you got? Ray. I said Duncan and Iverson. But Elton Brand and Steve Francis. That is the correct answer. Woo! Whoa, oh, go Wade. Elton Brand and Steve Francis. We, I believe, now I don't know this for a fact, but I believe we had like two years very close together there where we split Rookie of the Year. Didn't Kid split with somebody like two years before that? Did Vince split it with someone? No. I was thinking Vince. You might have. Yeah. I thought Vince split it with someone in, uh, what would that have been, 98, 99? Um, did he split it with Jameson? I don't know. To be honest, I thought Vince split it. I knew Brand split his. Obviously, he's got that one right. Oh, Stevie Francis! I'd forgotten about him. Franchise was the shit for a while. Yeah, I completely forgot about him. He was. That's who the Rockets traded to the Magic for T Mac. Oh, okay. (laughs) So yeah, he holds a special place in my heart. Not a positive one, but a special place (laughs) in my heart. But, uh, yes. All right, so the uh, trivia standings are as follows after this week. It is Ray with 12, Alex with 17, Doug with 23, Drew with 24, and Wade with 27. Mm-hmm. Wade has now extended his lead three weeks in a row and um, has now had a three-point lead over Drew and a four-point lead over Doug. And an insurmountable lead over Ray and I. That's correct. Drew, the whiteboards aren't kind to you, my friend. I yeah. still have gotten as many right as Alex has with the whiteboards. <laughs> dig a dig here. <laughs> uh, All right. I'm looking at this rookie of the year thing so before I get off the air. Um, Grant Hill and Jason Kidd split it in 95. And Tim Duncan won it in 98. And Vince Carter... Won it in 99, solo. Won by himself? Yeah. So, yes. But Kid and Grant Hill did split it in 95, so just a few years before that. Anyway, we're going to close up shop here on our Adrian Danley episode. And Blake Griffin. What about, oh, yeah. We said we, we said we wanted to discuss Blake yeah. Griffin. So let's knock that out real quick. Um, <clears throat> anyway, um, Blake Griffin signed with the nets tonight um as drew broke earlier in our episode um before i get into i have something very specific to say but before i do that let's just go around the room and uh give our opinions on what that means for the nets i guess i'm not really sure blake has kind of since he left la he's kind of dropped off the face of the earth i know his stats have gone down i We'll, we'll see, I guess, um, whether they can revive him or not. I, I just don't think this is what they needed. They need a rim protector at the basket, and he's not a rim protector. And like Uncle Doug said, he's fallen. I think he had one All-NBA season a couple of years ago, but between injuries and just getting older, he's fallen. I think he's shooting below 40% this year. There's like 13 points per game. And he's not a rim protector. They, they needed someone to replace Allen, who they got rid of in the trade, and He's not it. I don't. I don't get this. But you don't think that they're bringing Lob City to Brooklyn because him and DeAndre are both there? Yeah, Lob City, <laughs> like in a fucking nursing home. Like, <laughs> get out of here. Yeah, uh, I was listening to some talk radio this week, and they were saying that Blake came into the, the league. He played above the rim, and he plays below the rim now. Why well, isn't he not? Like, he hasn't dunked yeah. since like 2019. He hasn't had a dunk yeah. like a year and a half. His stats this year are 12, 5, and 3. What's the field percentage? I'm pretty sure it's like 37% or something. <laughs> no, 
don't tell me I see Drew Fieldhouse. <laughs> oh, I got it. I got it. It's 36. 36. That was all for one. Well, Ray, you got something? Yeah, I'm going to be Notre Thomas, and I'm going to predict that this survives Blake Griffin's career, and we're going to see greatness. Wow. Guess we'll see. Wow. Ray has spoken. Oh. All right, so here's my thing, guys. Um, you guys kind of touched on it, but yes, two years ago, Blake Griffin had a very, very good season. He was all NBA. He carried that trash Pistons team to the playoffs. Um, but this year, he couldn't guard me, I don't think. They were showing guys crossing him up and him falling down the other day, and I don't think the guys were trying to. I think they were just trying to go the other direction and like to throw a pass, and Blake Griffin fell down. He, he hasn't dunked since 2019. His... He's pretty much a spot-up shooter now on offense, and his I, I'm pretty sure his three-point percentage is like 20-some percent this year. Um, It'll be a half an hour before Drew finds that. <laughs> no. But uh, I he, I, I just don't, I think he's a shell of himself. Yes, we're going to see him on TV all the time now because he's playing on a really good team, but I think Blake Griffin's cooked. I don't. This this isn't what they need. I don't understand it. You don't need Blake Griffin. Right. You need rim protection. That's their weakness on their team. Kevin Durant can't be your center and and be your rim protector. Like, it's, it, I just I'm befuddled. I had the three point percentage. He is uh, shooting thirty one. Thirty one. Well, I I agree with you, Wade, wholeheartedly. That they need a rim protector. They need somebody to go down and play really good defense uh, because although DeAndre Jordan is a shot blocker, he's not a great defender at this point in his career. Um, Blake Griffin does neither of those things. Although I think we discussed it after the in the Harden episode, he has something they want. Um, they he will stretch the floor, unlike DeAndre, because I believe you play him. In Five at this point, Blake. I mean, yeah. Um, and they have they had three exceptions they could use to sign guys. I assume our rim protector will be one of them, but I didn't expect them to prioritize Blake Griffin either. I I don't know. Yeah, it's just yeah. That's really their only weakness. Offensively, they're on record. To, they're on pace to break records. Defensively. They can get by, but they're not they're not great. And their biggest problem is in the lane. You can just kill them down there. Because when they play anybody with side even to get out of the east, you and you gotta go through Embiid, you gotta go through Giannis. Like, who's gonna guard him? Durant, old ass DeAndre Jordan. Like it's just <laughs> no. Well, I, I listened to I can't remember who it was, maybe it was Chris Broussard the other day say, I think the Nets are gonna get involved in the Blake Griffin sweepstakes, which first of all I don't Think of the sweepstakes, by the way. It's a scratch off ticket. <laughs> um, so that the Lakers can't get him. And I'm like, is he really this hot of a commodity that we're threatened that the Lakers are going to get him? I, I, as a Laker fan, I'm glad the Nets kept us from you. <laughs> I didn't want him. <laughs> we don't want him. 13 points on 36% shooting is not exactly, uh, you know. And it's not like his gravity people. is going to pull a bunch of defenders out to his 31% from three. If he was shooting 37% from three instead of from the field, then guys would respect him. And you know, But like you said, they don't need offensive help. No. Their offense is, is the greatest of all time at this point in the season. Um, so it's not that what they – that's not what they need. Sorry, I just completely screwed that up. I guess the only thing it really brings to the table that a, another center like DeAndre Jordan doesn't bring is, one, like you said, He's at least capable of shooting a three, so yeah, you can't just ignore him out there. And two, he's actually a fairly decent passer, so you have a center that can move the ball. But I don't think that's worth the terrible defense and the no shot blocking. I mean, obviously these are NBA teams. Maybe they know more than we do. Is he just sandbagging in Detroit because he doesn't want to be there? Yes, that's possible. It's very true. Well, Ray, you're the little bright spot on us. You're the one talking about him returning to the startup. What do you got for us? I just think that once you, like his, 
his peak was the Clippers, right? Yeah. And then you get traded, and then you're a little more unmotivated. And then you get traded again, or you're feeling down on yourself, and you get demotivated. And then you just don't want to play anymore. And then, boom, all of a sudden you're like, yes, I'm going somewhere great. And then you just start peeking up a little bit, and then you just go on balls to the wall again. And sometimes that's all it takes. I mean, could be. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's a possibility that he was just so unhappy in Detroit, he didn't care. They weren't winning anyway, so it's not like he was costing them wins. <laughs> um, so, who cares? And then he goes to the Nets, where they actually need him to do things to win cha- a championship, which is their goal. Uh, maybe he does play better. I don't know. But even even prime Blake Griffin, who was good, doesn't do the things the Nets need. So, which always befuddled me, by the way. You're 6'10", and you have a ridiculous vertical and can jump out the gym, but you can't block shots. Hmm. That's weird. Is he 6'10"? I thought he was shorter than that. Yeah, I think he's 6'10". Is he really? I always yeah. thought he was kind of a shorter power forward. And if you ever watched six him in college, nine. Six nine. His, his brother was the defender. Taylor? Taylor yeah. Griffin? Yeah, Taylor like Griffin. They played together in Oklahoma. The brother was the defender. Blake scored. Brother played defense. Well, we all know Blake can jump out of the gym when he jumped over the car. <laughs> the hood. <laughs> the hood of the car. I know. Like Alex said, I've seen guys at Gus Macker go over the car. I know. There's the analysis going again. <laughs> I think a lot of guys build that are built like that. They rely on the jumping ability and don't have the super long arms. They don't always block a ton of shots. Uh, I think because you constantly they're just jumping as high as you can just to block a shot. I just don't think they just don't do it. Zion Williamson. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean Charles Barkley. I mean, although he didn't block shots, and they're built almost the exact same. I think it's those the taller, longer guys that put forth a lot less effort into blocking shots. It's the long arms, I think, and obviously plus the height. Those guys that have to jump as high as they can every time to block a shot. I just don't think they just don't do it. But yeah. does Blake have a small wingspan? Is that what you're saying? I don't think he's like Matumbo out there. I mean, well, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that. I don't. I don't think he's got like freakishly short arms. He's not T Rex in it. But I'm just saying, Elton Brand, you're one of your boys at like two and a half blocks a game. So, yeah, he had freakishly long eight. arms. Yeah, his arms were freakishly long. And he had half the vert that Blake Griffin had. <laughs> right. Blake Griffin had a six eleven wingspan. Longer than I thought, actually. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he just sucks at it. <laughs> I don't know. I I'm a little befuddled, like you said. Um, but then. If you go out and sign a shot blocker, like if Drummond or McGee or any of the guys that's been rumored um, do become available and they sign them, then does Blake Griffin just not play? And you wasted this anyway? Or are you planning to play Blake at the floor? Four? No, you just trade Blake again and totally, <laughs> totally kill his momentum that he was going to have in New Jersey. Yeah. Maybe they think they're keeping him away from somebody else. Maybe that's what they're doing. Oh, that's true. It could be. I mean, in... I would feel like they would want someone like McGee. Literally. That's what I thought, too. Just literally out there to protect the rim, get a couple of rebounds. That's his specialty. You know, I want Drummond. Drummond thinks he's, you know, fucking Olajuwon. He, hang, <laughs> he hangs on to the goddamn ball. Thinks he can dribble through people and then accidentally kicks it off his leg. Like, you don't want that. Just get, get someone who just specializes in protecting the basket. And then who cares about Griffin? He can sit on the bench. Did LeBron really want Blake Griffin, though? Well, no team that LeBron's on does anything without his permission. So that's what I'm saying. I can't see him fitting in with LA. I, I don't know. Well, here's the thing: athletic big men play really well with LeBron. But is Blake still athletic? Because if you haven't dunked since 2019, can you still jump? Because, like we just said, he's six nine. It's not like you've got to be super explosive to dunk the ball at six nine. And he hasn't done it in almost two years. I don't know. Sounds like his legs are just shot. He's had a bunch of knee, knee surgeries. Injuries, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, he's been doing a lot of jumping for a lot of years. And he's, he's I know he's, he's only like 31, but he's been playing for like 10, 11 years. Well, so. maybe he needs to talk to somebody. Um, you know, and go, like, I know Kobe's gone now, but I mean, figure out what the hell they're doing in Germany to dude's knees. And uh, go do that and come back, and maybe he'll be able to be a superstar again. 
Here's what gets me is a couple years ago when he's in Detroit, when he had the All NBA season. It was, it was a really good season in Detroit. I mean, he was still athletic, but he wasn't scoring most of his points above the rim. He was he developed a three point shot. He developed a good mid range jumper. He had a couple of decent little post moves. He was passing on a double teams really well. Where the hell did he go? Uh, like, Ray, what's he weigh? Uh, he weighs two fifty. If you're two fifty, y'all would be able to muscle your way to the rim four or five times a game. Yeah, I mean most teams don't even play centers now, right? Like, you're six nine two fifty. Y'all just be able to lower your shoulder, hit somebody, and lay it in three or four times a game at least. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Ray's right. Maybe he doesn't give a shit because it's Detroit. He's he's just been resting for the last two years <laughs> for the second half of his career, guys. Watch it. Just watch. Maybe. Some of that stuff has disappeared. I mean, uh, why ruin your career on two crappy Detroit Piston teams when you can just rest up and collect a paycheck? $40 million a year paychecks. Yeah. Why not? I'd be pretty mad, too, if they just gave a big contract to Grant and let him run the whole offense. Grant's average of 25 a game. Now, I mean, Blake's not doing that. Well, no. I mean, most people can do a bunch of stuff on shitty teams. Just, oof. I'm not a huge best player on the team, Grant. But uh, he's having a really nice season. I mean, I think he shocked everybody with what he's doing. Because I believe he's shooting like 50% from the field. He's doing it efficiently. But are you going to win a championship with Grant as your best player? No, I don't know that you win a championship with Grant as your second best player. That's my point. Uh, but yeah. I think Griffin's like, eh, we're done. We're done here. <laughs> don't they have the worst record in the league? No, the Timberwolves do. Oh, okay. I believe. They're at least in the contention with the worst record in the league. I know that. They're really well, Magic have the third worst worst record in the league. Yeah, uh, doesn't matter. Well, anyway, I didn't want to spend a ton of time with this. Does anybody else have any statements on the Blake Griffin signing? No. No. Uh, All right, well, we're going to close shop then for good now for this episode. And uh, we will see you next Thursday uh, to discuss Russell Westbrook, (laughs) who will be defended by, again, Doug and Wade. Um, so tune in next week for a uh, current player and uh, we'll see you next week.